0: I think we should just start with the good people of Goodreads. (laughs) (laughs) Say, the man who fell in love with the moon is peppered with all the stereotypical messages that one can find anywhere, from Glee to Latter Days to Lady Gaga videos. Your family is something you choose. Racism and homophobia are bad. Free love is good, etc.
1: Welcome to Lavender Look Club. <sighs>
0: so, we're reviewing The Man Who Fell in Love with the Moon by Tom Spanbauer. Is that right? Yeah.
1: He sure are. He has
0: a very luscious mustache.
1: He really does. He's he's kind of a hunk, at least in the author photo from 1991. <laughs> <laughs> so, I actually picked up picked this book up randomly at a half price books book sale, and I picked it up because it looked like it had Native Americans and horses on the cover, and those are things that I read about. And it ended up being super gay. It is possibly the gayest book I've ever read. It is real gay. (laughs) Which is wonderful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is unlike anything I've ever read. It is really good. I don't know. I really enjoy it. Yeah, I... I had never heard of
0: this book until you made me read it for this podcast, mm-hmm. and I am appreciative that you made me do it <laughs> because
1: it's good. <laughs> I'll make you read my favorite it- books anytime. <laughs> yeah, I also like
0: this is probably the first Western that I've read. Hmm. I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah yeah it's it's just a it's a weird book Mm -hmm. i don't know i suppose like the best thing to do is a plot summary but it's really hard to do a plot summary because
1: there's a lot yeah it's a pretty dense book oh wait before we start content warning (laughs) Uh, yeah, this is just a heads up that this book is really dark and heavy, and has a lot of very adult themes, including uh, rape and incest and racism and lots of murders. Am I missing anything? I think that about covers it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. this is this episode is we're gonna consider this R-rated because we're gonna be talking about a lot of these themes and maybe using some not very nice words. Okay. So, plot summary.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this book is about a guy named Shed, a mixed-race two spirit Native American who grows up in the wild wild west of the 1880s. As a young boy, Shed is a victim of rape by Billy Blizzard, who is a character that later tur- later murders Shed's mother. Shed is then raised by Ida, a sex worker, so-called mayor of excellent Idaho and owner of a pink-painted brothel. Shed becomes a sex worker where he meets Alma Hatch before leaving home to find the meaning of his birth name. On the way, he becomes the friend and lover of fun-loving cowboy Delwood Barker, who talks to the moon and teaches Shedd about the world. When he returns to Idaho, the two men join Ida and Alma in their chosen family full of wacky characters and uh, a lot of sex (laughs) (laughs) Um, but Ida wages war on the Mormons of excellent Idaho and invites four uh, black minstrel performers to town after Ida defends them against the racist Mormons A lot of things happen. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's murder and blizzards and things. (laughs) Delwood uh, kind of goes crazy. Ida loses her legs. And Shed uh, kind of discovers the truth about his identity. Um, The book is full of (laughs) raunchy sex. And a lot of heartbreak and uh, really dark, violent things. But it's a fun ride. (laughs) That was really convincing. (laughs) No, really, it is. Like a lot of dark things kind of happen towards the end of the book. But it is Mm -hmm. like a really incredible narrative. I don't know how else to describe it. It's very magical, and it's it's almost not enough to just tell you what happens, because, like... Yeah, yeah, that crazy doesn't tell stuff, you anything but...
1: about the book. Because yeah. I read this book originally a couple years ago, and kind of forgot a lot of what happens. Like, I mean, it came back to me, of course, as I read it, but what I really remembered was the magical realism and... The really deep, heart-wrenching descriptions and how the characters love each other so much. The main characters and their chosen family. Yeah, those were the things that I I held on to the most.
0: First reaction to the book was that like the writing... I don't even remember what book I read before this, but I was like... Mm totally sucked into the writing style It's it takes a few pages to get into it but then you're like completely into it and it's just really beautiful writing and mm-hmm. impactful writing and like in the plot synopsis a lot of crazy stuff happens and it's just like fun to like go along with it
1: Yeah, one thing that I love about it and that really stuck with me is that It's a western, you know, and it's... I have lots of feelings about the western genre, but it's not about, you know, the masculine dude characters. Like, it's about this weird group of people, and they're just the complete opposite of, you know... Okay, I won't say they're the opposite of toxic masculinity, because there's still some of that, but it's different and better. It
0: seems like they're what would usually be, like, the background side characters, but they're, like, suddenly the main characters.
1: Yeah, yeah, for
0: sure. And I also think that, like, alongside it being a Western, like, this is, like, a mythical book, like, Mm -hmm. so, like we said in the, you know, content warning, like, there are adult explicit themes in this book, there's incest for one but I think that like if we think about like our myths and like our legends and the stories we tell about gods and you know folk folklore stuff like that like they all have the, the, not all of them but a lot of them have weird components to them like incest mm-hmm. and so I think that this book is not just a western but it's also writing in like a mythical kind of tradition Mm -hmm. and that makes like those two things together make it like really weird (laughs) but very magical and interesting Mm -hmm. and I think it's aware of its problem I don't think the author like is trying to like get away with anything bad I just think that it's like he's telling a a dark tragic story on purpose
1: yeah no that's true um you brought up when we were talking about this that unlike Ruby Fruit Jungle this book actually confronts a lot of its issues and like really really shows you what's wrong in that world and why it's wrong and shows you the alternatives
0: yeah and I think that like like, what I didn't like about Ruby Fruit was that when negative things came up, it seemed to be, like, celebrated, or, or if it wasn't celebrated, it wasn't explicitly condemned, Mm -hmm. and I think that this book, though it, like, plot-wise, you know, when is Young, it opens with, you know, a rape, but I think that I think that what it's showing is like the trauma of that, and Shed's um, growth, and I don't know. I, I just think that it's it's tragic, and uh, what am I trying to say?
1: You're trying to say how that um, the trauma defines who Shed is and who he becomes, and it shows how it affects him.
0: Yeah. There's a line in the book, I want to say it's on page 300, (laughs) where Shed says, um, truth is, my life is the story of getting my life back. So I think that all the crazy stuff that happens to Shed in the book, I think is really supposed to show that he is working through it and he's going to reach a point where he learns who he is and he learns the truth. I think that's the point of the book. Yeah. To me. And I really appreciate that from like a queer perspective Mm -hmm. of like going through trauma and like not being understood or feeling like you have to make your own way because other people aren't going to necessarily help you. Mm Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, like, freedom and, like, taking back your life in that sense. So I think it's, I think it's so
1: good. Yeah, I think that's one of the more powerful themes in the book. And it goes all the way through because the book really is, it's Shed retelling his story. And it's it's told in the storytelling sort of way, which also makes it more in the the mythic tradition. Because those are often stories that are told from person to person. I didn't think about that
0: fact. That's a good point.
1: So, yeah, something that he says kind of throughout the book is like this, he's retelling his story to kind of take it back.
0: Yeah, I really like that. Now that you point that out, I didn't think about like the narrative like style like playing a part in it, but like that. That makes sense. Yeah. And now I like it more.
1: Yeah. Oh it's a good book I didn't book. think that was possible it's my problematic fave yeah it is kind of problematic huh? yeah because like there are some things in the book that you just can't excuse
0: <laughs> yeah and I just think like the problematic stuff is really it's really complex and interesting to like sit back and like analyze like even though I'll come to the conclusion that it's still like problematic right Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's interesting to like sit and think about it because I think it gives me a little bit more perspective of like I don't know it solidifies my confidence I guess in why like that stuff is wrong and and this Mm -hmm. is a like a prime example like mm-hmm. this character I, I feel empathy for shed because of the wrongs that were done to him
1: mm-hmm. yeah yeah
0: there's also a lot of good stuff around the um, the cowboy the only cowboy really Yes. in this western
1: oh, yeah Delwood is the best he's great he's a good yeah. character
0: he's the man who fell in love with the moon right is that too obvious? No, he's is the man
1: shed? No, he's the man who talks to the moon. And at the very end, Shed becomes the man who fell in love with the moon. Uh, that's what they call him in the bar that he's sitting in. I only know that because I finished the book this afternoon. That's deep. Yeah, it is.
0: Yeah. The moon stuff though. Yeah. Is really good. Like, that's, I think that's my favorite part of the book. Like, trying to think about, like, I like the two spirit stuff. I like the, like, diversity of the book. But I think my favorite part is, like, the moon, Delwood talking to the moon. And he has this, like, journal that's all about, um, which moon phases to do stuff in? <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. I love it. It's like yeah. I want. I kind of want to meet that person. Maybe this is like a shout out to like 2019's astrology loving queers. Yeah. Like
1: <laughs> I was just thinking the same thing. Yeah, because every month. Um. So one of the things that delwin talks about is like every month the full moon is in a different body part. Basically, so like if it's in the head. You know, it's more thoughtful, and and it moves all the way down the body, and that, yeah, that definitely feels like really astrology-ish. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Tom Spanbauer predicting queer culture.
1: Right <laughs> He's ahead of his time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I think, bringing up the author. I kind of feel like Delwood is a stand-in for the author. Like I know we're not supposed to do that in literary mm-hmm. analysis. Mm-hmm. But I just think it just kind of makes sense. Like I like the author you pointed out on their Wikipedia page has like kind of a cool history with two spirit people and Delwood has the same kind of history, so it's cool. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think, I don't know, I think I, I mean, not knowing anything about the author, really, I think I see a little, bit the, a little bit of the author in Delwood and in Shed. Maybe it's just because Shed's the narrator, but. I can see that. I think a lot of the drug-crazed ramblings are <laughs> right out of the author's mouth.
0: That's Oh yeah, that's true that Shed like only talks when he's really high. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm.
1: Yep.
0: It's kind of an interesting.
1: Yeah. And the author wrote this book on a lot of drugs. Let's just say that.
0: I didn't find that out until like just 20 minutes ago and I got to say it kind of makes sense. Mhm. And wow. That's impressive. I mean, when I get drunk I just want to like go to sleep but when he gets drunk and high he writes a masterpiece so hmm. yeah,
1: props to him
0: we at Lavender Lit Club do not condone any use of illicit drugs (laughs) (laughs)
1: Uh, don't do drugs stay in school
0: Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On top of this book being, like, the gayest book that I've ever read, mm-hmm. probably, <laughs> it has a lot of really cool two-spirit uh, stuff in it. There's um, a good section towards the beginning, right when Shed meets Delwood, where Delwood like, teaches Shed about two-spirit people and their place... In like Native American cultures, and how they are are seen as special people that they they have different insights that um, non two spirit people don't have, and that in he mentions that like with the coming of the white man, which ruins everything always, mm-hmm. that white Christian culture is you know kind of the opposite of that that they've taken those people and oppressed them and said that there's something wrong with them and hidden them away or murdered them Mm -hmm. and I just think that's so powerful um, because Shed even though Shed goes through a lot like he's a really strong character and he just kind of does what he wants and he doesn't he doesn't really pay attention to like I guess, outside forces of what life is supposed to be like. Part of that is his upbringing in a small, tiny town with just a few people that influence him. But Mm -hmm. I just think it's really powerful and a really good view of the two-spirit culture that Christians and white people in general have, like, totally ruined. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, and going back to your point about shed kind of doing his own thing one of the one of the stories that's brought up a couple times in the book is the story of um tiny baby shed choosing his future oh yeah um there's something that they do in a quite a few different cultures is they kind of set really young babies down with a couple different options of like toys they could grab and whichever one they grab like determines their future you know So they did that with Shed and they put him down and they put like something masculine and then something feminine. And he was supposed to like grab which whichever one. And, you know, is he going to be straight or is he going to be queer is basically the question. (laughs) And instead of grabbing either of the items that they put down for him, he reaches out and he grabs a feathered boa that one of the women is wearing. And then everybody thinks that's really hilarious. And that's, they just tell that story throughout the whole story, which is kind of funny. (laughs) It is is such a good, it's like,
0: like, why do we even do gender reveals these days? (laughs) Like, why don't we just do that?
1: Right. Like, and also like, I don't know. It's just kind of sweet. It's like, I don't know. We all grab the feather boa, you know?
0: Yeah, and I think that, like, there's... At no point is it, like... It's not, like, humiliating or anything like that. It's... Right. It's that, like, that's just who he is. And he lo- he loves that story just like everyone else does. And mm-hmm. I just think that it's... It's so good. The, like, the trans stuff in this book is really, like, top-notch. And, mm-hmm. and the, like, just the queer representation in general, like... Nothing is I mean other than like the Mormon characters and their perspective mm-hmm. like nothing is portrayed as odd or wrong it the the queer stuff is never the problematic stuff like right it's it's the characters other actions that are problematic, yeah, which is refreshing, yeah,
1: yeah, and going along with that like the sex work is also portrayed really well in the book for the most part yeah definitely I mean it's definitely seen as something that uh, it's a profession you know it's just something that people do yeah there was one goodreads review just
0: maybe don't read goodreads reviews but (laughs) I think I said that on the last episode (laughs) and I still read them Whoa, right? <laughs> it's like reading the comments don't do it <laughs> but someone I just can't get over the fact that someone was like given the time period that this book is set in um, all of the sex seems implausible <laughs> <laughs> like it takes place in a brothel <laughs> And besides that, people have had sex since the beginning of time. Right. (laughs) And they've had kinky sex, too. Like, I'm sorry, they did.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I feel like that person is actually a Mormon.
0: (laughs) Mormons can have kinky sex, too. Yeah. Uh, Do they? The portrayal of Mormons in this book is really interesting, because I think maybe in, like, if I was writing this book, I think I would, I would be too tempted to make the Mormons, like, really awful, Mm -hmm. but I think that in this book, they're portrayed, like, it's just portrayed as, like, reality, and Mm -hmm. I think that, um... There's a good part where they're talking about Ida, who is the owner of the hotel, and she's kind of like the main voice in the town against the Mormons. Um, And they talk... I think it's Shed that says she was their darkness, and you need darkness to see the light. And Mm -hmm. it's talking about the Mormon faith, and, like, these are people who... Are striving for something good, and what they see, what they see as good, is in opposition to what they think is bad, which is Ida and the mm-hmm. brothel and uh, mixed race relationships, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But and like though, I disagree with that, obviously. Um, I think it's it's a really realistic portrayal of a conservative community that what what they are hoping for is good in heaven and their god right
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it just so happens that the opposition to them are people who really wouldn't harm them any other time mm-hmm. you know and i think that's interesting yeah that's a good way of writing it's more complex that way
1: mm-hmm. yeah it's a really um oh what's the word i'm looking for Um, The way he portrays the Mormons, except for, you know, some of the evil leaders who really are terrible people, but like the majority of the Mormons, he portrays actually pretty nicely. He's pretty nice about talking about them. There's a few times where Shed actually is kind of jealous of them. Um, He's walking through their, one of their celebrations and he notices that, you know, they're just people and they're all there with their families trying to gather in the light out of the darkness in the evening you
0: know yeah and it brings up to so ida wages war on the mormons that's the term that they use and it brings up the problems that i have with ida like i understand her point her viewpoint because I, i think that like Christians in general, especially in 2019, even though this book was written the year I was born, (laughs) Um, like they need to address the wrongs that they've done to queer people in the past. But what Ida does is she wages this war with no kind of care for the people who might get hurt in the process. Right. Right. And though her, like, her war is right on a kind of value level, belief system level, the casualties, you know, the real casualties, because people die from it, Mm -hmm. could have been prevented. And I think that, like, there's wrongs on both sides, but... I think that Ida is portrayed as a very selfish character and it's... With the Mormons, especially, it, like, kind of solidifies her, for lack of a better word, villainy in the book. Mm -hmm. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I totally see that. That was a good point you made there. I can be smart sometimes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So one of the things reading this book that kind of felt uh, a, little, a little iffy was just the fact that the author is not Native American. And, you know, he's writing the story about a Native American guy and about two spirits and et cetera, which is a little, little problematic in 2019. Like, maybe let's hear from actual Native American people.
0: Yeah, and I think that's, like, that's obviously a very valid criticism. And I think that, like, a lot of the characters are... I don't want to excuse it because it's a Western, because that doesn't excuse it. And, like, Westerns have a long history of being racist towards Native Americans. (laughs) Yes. I guess what I was just going to say was that it's a tall tale right and the characters Mm. are wacky and full of faults every single one of them has a fault except for maybe Mm. delwood because he's perfect right (laughs) but but now that i think about it you know yeah it's got to be one of those problematic faves from Mm -hmm. that perspective there's a good (laughs) i mean the line that's repeated often in the book is that a uh, a crazy s- story about crazy people told by a crazy person ought to make you wonder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, crazy story about crazy people told by a white guy ought to make you wonder. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yep, that's a good point.
1: So we're wondering, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. But, I don't know, I guess we have enough Westerns written by white people that are really shitty to Native Americans. So at least this isn't that. I guess.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think that it does, especially in, like I said earlier, about the when Delwood explains the two-spirit people, I think that it's really, like, a positive depiction. And I think that shed is mixed race but and he you know i think part of the problem with shed's character is that by nature of being shed he's very like closed off from the greater world and he doesn't know very much about Mm -hmm. where he comes from and he just has a few stories to go on Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and i think that I think that as he learns, like, I think it's a positive portrayal of two-spirit people. Um, but it just, like, again, it makes you wonder, like, you, sh- it would be better to have this book or have that two-spirit narrative told by a two-spirit person.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a fair amount of race stuff that's kind of iffy in the book. But there's a whole big section where shed goes to find out about his ancestry and he ends up on a reservation and at that time in our nation's history um, it was uh really really bad on reservations and people were starving and etc um, so he he goes and sees that and it's it's just a really weird part of the book, and I'm not really sure what we're supposed to make of it, but a lot of that felt kind of stereotype-y. Um, A lot of those characters that he meets just felt like something I mean they kind of felt like right out of a a western, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like the stereotypical, yeah, natives. So that was a little little gross to read but and it
0: is a little like just from a 2019 perspective it's it's hard to read books that don't use the terms that we would like to use mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just like I know that I- I'm not excusing it because it was written in 91 I think that's when it came out I'm not, mm. not totally sure on that but oh. I know that like times have changed and you know And it's also partly, like, narrative style, too. He's writing from a character who is in the 1880s. But it's still... I don't know. I guess it just makes me wonder about, like, literary... like, Like, writing in general, as... Can you tell the story without falling into those that, like, cliche narrative voice, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that you probably can. It just it makes me wonder a little bit about how the book would change if the, that aspect was not there or if it was still there, but it was not coming out of the pen of a white guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. It's hmm. an interesting... I don't know if I'm allowed to comment on it, actually, because I'm a white person.
1: (laughs) No, that's an interesting thought. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah.
0: I don't know. I might be getting too deep.
1: It's pretty deep, man.
0: There's also a minstrel show. Mmm. We're going to talk about that, huh? Mm. Mm. We're going to talk about it. Mm Mmm. So my first reaction to the minstrel show was the characters are black characters and so I was like you know what I'm gonna be okay with this because I think it's gonna like say something important about race in America Mm -hmm. and the characters are black so it's not like the worst minstrel show that could be in a story but as it goes on, it kind of devolves Into mm. I It's just Like all of the characters Shed and Ida and Alma And Delwood Like they all do blackface Eventually mm-hmm. And it's just, it's hard for me to Like wrap my head Around it, it's just so It's like I'm on the edge of my seat Like This is gonna turn bad real quick yeah. <laughs> I don't know and it does, like, there's more death. I mean, I think I were led to believe that a couple of people from town, white guys, um, go after um, the performers mm-hmm. afterwards because it's kind of, it's
1: part of Ida's war against the Mormons. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, because Ida stands up for the minstrels. She's the one who invites them to town, who hires them to do the show and protects them from the racists in her hotel which to start with like that's a noble cause and you know these the minstrels who show up I mean they've never been treated that well by white people ever and so they're feeling great and having a great time and they're everybody's getting along after all the racist people leave and yeah then the minstrel show happens and then they get lynched
0: it's just it's interesting i think it brings up the question again about a white author you know like Mm -hmm. i keep bringing up ruby fruit when i think of this book i think it's because this book is everything i wanted ruby fruit to be yeah um but in ruby fruit i had the same critique that the n-word is used and the author never really comments on it never I think that I assume that that character is a racist because they use that word, but the author never really makes that clear. Mm-hmm. And in this book, it's a little bit more clear that it's racism, but then you have our main characters using that word, and then you have our main characters putting on blackface, and it just gets very mm-hmm. confusing. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think that scene was, like, meant to be, like, this, you know, we're all one people and we're all the same and one love and let's all just do a bunch of drugs together and roll around on the ground. But, yeah, it that's not how you show that. Like, that's not how it works.
0: <laughs> and if that's what it's meant to be like, it kind of, like, shortly, just a few pages afterwards all the black people end up dead and all of the white people are still alive so yeah. it's just it just shows that that can't exist
1: right.
0: there like in that setting and and that it's almost like saying that you're colorblind right like right. Yeah. Ida, Ida yeah. putting on blackface and saying that like I accept you and I will let you into my hotel is not the same as Ida fighting racism right i think ida in general i really dislike ida like yeah. the things that happen to ida in the end are are objectively very bad things and mm-hmm. there's more rape of course because mm-hmm. it's this book <laughs> but um i i still there's a point towards the end where delwood tells shed to tell Ida his truth. And this is at this point they're trying to heal her. Um mm-hmm. there's a part where her and Alma go up the mountain and Ida says, "Oh, for the past two winters we haven't had snow until after Christmas, so it'll be fine." And then there's a blizzard and they get stuck up there and they're rescued when they're like half dead and Delwood and Shed are trying to take care of Ida and part of it is Delwood is saying that you need to tell her your truth and so Shed I think it's Shed it might be Delwood that says it I'm not I don't really remember like tells Ida that she's a selfish woman and the truth is that you know this I think that's when he says the truth is my life is the story of getting my life back because Ida really does traumatized shed you know Mm -hmm. she because she's a sex worker it's almost like shed is her property and i mean that's how his name is shed it's out in the shed and right she sends him out in the shed to do sex work for her and Mm -hmm. you know she takes I i don't remember the deal they have but she's a pimp you know she takes half of his money, and I just, she's just a really negative character. I think that, like, her ideals are good, but she is a selfish person, and she doesn't see beyond her, like, she says that about racism when the uh, black performers show up, the Wisdom Brothers, but she says that because she wants to feel good about herself as a white person at the end of the day, so... (laughs)
1: Right. And because she's, I don't know, trying to wage her war against the Mormons. She's, yeah, she's kind of using them to create trouble, basically. It's not good. Hmm. Mm Hmm. Yeah, Ida's not a very sympathetic character.
0: No. I mean, she was at the beginning. Her. Like, she really turns unsympathetic, like, pretty slowly. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, at the very ending, like, I don't think we need to get into it, but she does go through quite a lot, you know? Mm -hmm. I I don't think, especially, like, physically, but... Yeah. And she, it is kind of empowering, I guess, towards the end that she walks through the town and kind of holds her head high. Mm -hmm. I don't think that she's, like, the worst. She's obviously not... As a villain as Billy Blizzard is, but... I don't
1: know. Yeah,
0: she's problematic. It's the... That's the theme of the book. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> Our faves are problematic.
0: Yeah. It's still such a good book, though.
1: It I is. mean, I almost yeah. feel
0: guilty saying that after what we just talked about. But... Right,
1: yeah. I still don't quite know how to, like, defend... Why I feel like it's a good book.
0: I think that what I excuse for, like, some of the stuff, like, especially the incest that comes up, like I said before, is I think that it's writing in a tradition of stories that incorporate a lot of that stuff. Because there's a lot of discussion of family, chosen families, um, your parents, you know, the big twist of the book is that who you think is your mother isn't your mother. And I think that, like, the incest is there to play off that theme and to elevate the story to kind of this mythical status. Mm -hmm. The other parts of it, I want to say, are are just exploring the complexity of people. But it's hard to say that when you know very little about the author and... (laughs) pretty Mm -hmm. much all I know is that he's a man and he's white so Mm -hmm.
1: yeah but I think we've pointed out that the book does a lot of things right especially with the way it deals with queerness a lot of the themes and a lot of the characters are done really well and the writing
0: yeah I was just gonna say the writing it's a really gorgeous like Mm -hmm. book to read it's just it's very immersive and you kind of get a a feel for like shed's voice Mm -hmm. and there's also a lot there that we haven't even commented on about uh finding yourself and the ways that the world works and Mm
1: -hmm.
0: i think there's a lot of uh good themes that are presented
1: yeah yeah and like one thing that's really fascinating is in the very last pages in the epilogue, Shed is actually trans, like, switches to she pronouns. Yeah. I almost forgot about that.
0: Yeah, it's good. There's a good line about lipstick. I don't remember it. Oh, no.
1: I have the book right here. Put my blue dress on. I put the feather boa on. The pearls on the rhinestone bracelet. Paint my lips red. I walk down Pine Street to the Solo Lounge with the neon blue moon in the window. Yeah. Yeah, apparently I just like red lipstick, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I. What I like is uh, I sit down on one of the high stools at the bar, cross my legs, and adjust the stockings. Ida and Alma would have loved these stockings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah yeah
0: and the blue dress Aw, oh, see you just gotta read this book cause there's so exactly. many details yeah with
1: the the moon and the window yeah
0: yeah so I think we're gonna give this one five stars I what think we think? are this is everything I wanted Ruby Fruit to be mm-hmm. and it was very gay and wonderful yes without moves moves were nothing
1: <laughs> you had to bring that up <laughs> hey we managed to do this whole episode without saying woman's hole so Oh. <laughs> <Ugh. laughs>
0: alright well on that note <laughs> thanks for listening please tell us what you think by rating us on iTunes this is really the only way we have of knowing that you're listening and that you like what we're talking about itunes doesn't give us any subscriber information so the best thing you can do for us and for your favorite podcasters is to go and rate them you can follow us on facebook and instagram at lavender lit club and if you like what we're doing and want to give us a little bit more support you can donate to our patreon at patreon.com slash lavender lit club our theme mu- music is Puzzle Pieces by Lee Rosevere from the Free Music Archive. And to be updated when we release our next episode, please subscribe to Lavender Lit Club on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Our next episode will be our second poetry minisode and it's going to be a fun time.
1: Yeah. You know we love poetry. It's going to be gay. <laughs>
0: All right. Bye.
1: Bye.